Welcome to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 130. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Welcome back to the Veterinary Project Podcast. You are joined by Dr. Michael Buck, Dr. Jonathan Light. What is shaking Mike? Well, I was off to a real estate conference, got back late last night. Taxes. I won't even go into that because it's boring. No one wants to hear about that, but staying up late, getting the personal taxes done. That's, you're leaving that's, it. You're leaving it to the last couple of days here. Ah, oh, there was just this one lingering statement that I had to track down. That, and I'm not even making that up. It was one last thing. So, yeah. But that's that's what the, funny uh, super tangent. Uh, Rosalie's sister uh, was living in Australia, right? And they move every so many years just with work, and they have three young kids. And some of those kids have been just born and raised so far in Australia. So they were down for about a week here about a week ago. And Riley picked up like a thick accent because they were hanging out with the cousins for like two or three days straight, right? And they've left, but she still has an accent. Like it is, it is hilarious. And it's also like, how do kids learn that fast? Like she just picked it up. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. That has nothing nothing to do with the episode, but I just was like, I had to throw it in. Hey, bud, those are the little things in life that are so much fun. So whether that's on air or off, that's amazing. And you're going to have to send me a little recording because I want to hear how she's chatting right now. I will. And then it'll be interesting to see how long she carries it forward. I know. It's cute. But what's happening your way? We're going to be on the recording next time. And uh, you're going to have yourself an Australian accent already. Maybe. Yeah, it'll wear off on me. What's going on your way? Oh, right now, uh, you know, we're at the end of April here coming into spring season. I would say I'm in the grind time. You know, we've got the, uh, we're into Q2, we're planning, you know, whether it's within Mosaic, personal businesses, and just life. So right now I feel like I'm in the grind, which is not a bad or a good thing. It's just executing on all the different projects that we've got on the go, making sure that you're giving time and attention to all of your employees, your teams, your support, um, home life. I feel like I'm right in the middle of that. Um, every day is a challenge, but there's also successes. So as I was chatting with my team uh, on our support call on Tuesday morning, really important to recognize those successes when they're there, because it's easy to get stuck in all of the challenges and really easy to forget about the little baby steps we're making forward. So uh, I would say right now, I'm also having to remind myself that on a daily basis, because guess what? It's not all roses. Yeah. I get a um, a shout out to a past guest, Elaine Clemenson, um, had an interesting LinkedIn post just when you said it's easy to get stuck on the challenges. And it, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of sort of, you know, to the vet industry. And she was like, can we just stop, you know, 
always framing it about like how how bad and like these are the challenges like yeah thing she's and she said i'm not saying things aren't hard and that there aren't challenges but it is you know we do have to stop and recognize like there's still a lot of successes happening yep i yeah. saw that post as well too really impressed with what she's putting forward and i see that more and more now in the industry and i will say we need to have that continued change recognizing the challenges that are still there not ignoring them looking at solutions, et cetera. So yep, yeah, in the same boat. Appreciate you bringing that forward. So yeah, that's that's my boat right now. Pretty full. Right on. Well, we that felt like, uh, I, I thought you were going to keep rambling because that seemed like a perfect segue here to this conversation. It you know, is right- a perfect segue because we have Cecilia and Yang Shi from VetSnap on today. Uh, I met them, I believe, last fall and through multiple conversations and then meeting in person in Vegas said, we need to get you guys onto the podcast. This is a really interesting conversation about two individuals coming from different areas um, outside of the vet business. If you look at Yang Shi, working with NVA for a number of years and heading up their technology before looking at an opportunity that arose during COVID, making a pivot with his co-founder investors to what now is VetSnap looking after controlled drugs um, and, and in a compliant manner and bringing forth all the technologies that can be had in this space. And there is needed help. And then Cecilia also coming in from an outside perspective as a technician in the veterinary industry, loving our industry, but needing to pivot based on personal life changes in life and now finding a home through serendipity with VetSnap. Yeah. Conversation. They go deep. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I do, I want to touch on, I never got a chance during the recording with Cecilia uh, for everyone keeping stats at home of every time we chat with an entrepreneur or someone that has pivoted in their career and they end up at a place where they're just, we interview them and they're beaming and they're happy and they're passionate and they're just like, things are going so well. And we start chatting with them and it's some variation of they're just passionately curious and they're open to, you know, opportunity and they don't know what that's going to look like or when it's going to appear. And, you know, something just sort of jumps out and they step through that door. So, you know, with Cecilia, she had mentioned, she just reached out to kind of an old friend, an old colleague, you know, passionate about the industry and ends up with VetSnap. And it's like, I, I don't know how many times we've heard a variation of that story. Like it is high, high percentage of the time. It reminds me of the story of not burning bridges because it yeah. is the bridges that lead you to that success. In this case, VetSnap with Cecilia and, and um, you know, making connections, et cetera. Uh, I think she's just another example of that. Good call out in terms of the number of guests that we've had share that same story. Yeah. 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 It's, it is. And on your point on burning bridges, there's I've had a few uh, real estate challenges, we'll say, as of late. And it's like, in a way, like you've mentored me because I can hear you because we've talked about this. You're so good at like, you know, conflict is going to happen, but you never, you never get too heated, or at least I haven't, haven't witnessed that, you know, and and you're always looking really long-term and it is, you never know, you know, everything comes and goes. There's, it's all about relationships. And I did, um, in, in my pod, we're doing another deep exercise on the 10 X stuff. And you have to get really clear on like, your success is coming from, you know, the 20% you do a lot. And as I kept drilling in, like, why is this happening? Why, why, why? And it was relationships. Like, as I got down to the core of like, okay, we're landing deals, but why? It's relationships. Okay, we're finding investors. Why? It's relationships. Like, 
It, you know, it just seems to be a real theme for me. I, I know you didn't expect this rant from me, but like it's hitting me in the face in the last few weeks of like, wow, relationships are even more important than I thought they were. And I thought they were really important. Dude, we just found another podcast episode because I want to dig into that a lot deeper. So hold on, folks. You'll hear it live on the Veterinary Project. But in the meantime, let's get to our guests. Yang Shi is the founder and CEO of VetSnap. Prior to co-founding VetSnap, Yang headed up technology at National Veterinary Associates. Before that, he worked in aerospace, consumer electronics, product management, and management consulting. He lives in Northern California with his wife and pup, Penny. Meanwhile, Cecilia Baer, Director of Sales, Prior to snap, uh, that snap, Cecilia worked in the veterinary industry as a technician for 13 years, then in sales for the last nine years. She lives in, lives in Kentucky with her husband, three two-legged kids, and three four-legged kids. Enjoy our conversation with Cecilia and Yang from VetSnap. Yang, Cecilia, thank you very much for joining us uh, for this conversation. This one is going to be an interesting one. It's in a different space than what we've had for guests on in the past. You and I have had the opportunity now to chat on a number of occasions uh, related to what I think is a great product, technology entering the space. You're having success. So welcome to the, the podcast. And I think a great place for us to start is just understanding a little bit on how the two of you have made it here. How and what does, uh, where are we now, April of 2023 look like for Yang and Cecilia? Cool. Uh, so I'll go first. Um, when we uh, first got started, it's actually quite interesting. When we first got started at Bestnap, um, our journey didn't start even in compliance. Uh, our journey started in inventory management uh, in 2020. And we we formed the company right when uh, the COVID lockdown happened. That was actually my last day at my last job. So, uh, the you know, a lot of times uh, great products, um, I think, form out of necessity. And also being like humble and knowing when you might be going down a path that isn't as good as you originally thought. And if you have a better path to take, you take it. So what happened was um, in 2020, uh, we started developing our uh, platform around inventory management uh, because uh, we knew that this was also an area that was underserved. Uh, it's not something that hospitals pay a lot of attention to. There's a lot of uh, revenue and value attached to it. So we got started in there, but then an investor of ours said, hey, can you come by and check out, as a favor to me, check out my hospital. There's this thing around DEA compliance. Uh, it's kind of inventory related. Can you do something for us? It seems really tedious. And that's kind of how it all got started. So uh, Stephen, my co-founder and CTO and myself, we went to the hospital and we did time and motion analysis where we just shadowed their technicians are like, geez, this is really um, tedious. And from my previous background at MBA, where I headed up technology, I knew the technology stack very well. Um, I, I kind of knew what was available and what was possible to do. So we discussed it and we made a pivot and it couldn't happen better. And, you know, like our company's grown a lot because of that. Uh, so that's fantastic. So before I'm going to jump to you, Cecilia, right away here, but I want to go into a little bit of a background, Yang, on that is you already had given notice, it sounds like, for your previous role. 
It sounds like you were a free agent, but also looking at opportunities still in the vet space. Um, diving a little bit deeper into that, why the vet space? What was the allure or the the desire to continue to solve problems within the space? So uh, for me, it's very personal. Um, my wife and I, we've always loved uh, animals. Um, all animals, like they're just, they're great. Um, except I'm highly allergic to cats. Otherwise I'd have a bunch of cats. Um, so uh, I got into this space purely because I adopted, um, we adopted our second dog, Penny. Um, and I had left a consulting career to join a former client and we adopted Penny around the same time. And then right around that time, MBA, and I, I had no idea, I'll just tell you guys, I have no idea that there's actually an industry for veterinary care. From my perspective, for decades, I thought that's, you know, when you go to a vet hospital back in the day, so it's just like, kind of like low key, you know, you can't tell that there's like, a lot of even money or corporations floating around. But I, I quit my job in Silicon Valley because I, my wife and I would talk about it, just felt it was the right thing to do. Uh, burn some bridges there because I quit like within four months of joining them. Um, but that's why it's because like I love pets and I, I've grown to love the people in this industry. So um, it never was a choice for me. Like leaving MBA, I knew that there was something more impactful I could do directly and it had to be within this space. And I have a lot of friends in this space and just feels like um, it feels like I, I don't think I can leave. Um, and Penny's we saw Penny. She's like seven years old. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's a very personal reason for me. Great answer. And, and any answer is possible, but it's a hook that veterinary medicine gets into you because there's a lot of challenges, but so much opportunity and we're doing it for amazing reasons. Thanks for sharing, Yang. Uh, Cecilia, technician of many years, a little bit different journey than Yang. And yet now, you know, director of sales within VetSnap. Uh, tell us a little bit about the journey because that's a different one as well too, which I'm interested to hear more. Yeah. So um, I always had a passion for veterinary medicine. Um, I was a technician, as you said, for 13 years. And um, I actually started out shadowing and volunteering at a veterinarian's office that my mom just had a crush on the doctor. And so she would drop me off. And uh, every time that school was out, she would drop me off during grade school, high school, whatever it was. They then hired me. And that's when I started my my love for teching. Um, so I did that for many years. And then I moved out of state um, with my husband when he went to school. And when we moved back, is actually I was interviewing at a veterinary hospital and he wanted a sales company in his office and he knew that they needed a rep for it to be brought to the state of Kentucky. Um, so he said, I'm not going to hire you because I want you for this position. So go work at another veterinary hospital for the time being until this one comes. And so that's how I made my leap into sales. Um, so I started um, with a, it was a GPO, group purchasing organization. And then from there went into a different sales position of um, veterinary food, actually. And uh, I am a true believer that everything happens for a reason. And I actually reconnected with a girl that used to dog sit for me and um, reconnected with her, saw a Facebook post of hers and just inquired about it because I was curious. So I saw that, you know, it was VetSnap and I just started doing research and 
mentioned to her that, hey, you know, I'm, I'd be interested if you all, you know, tell me more and if you all seem, you know, have an opening. So the next day she spoke with Yang and Steven and they were like, actually, we were thinking about hiring someone in a, you know, a sales position. So all of the stars aligned and um, all came together, did an interview with Yang. Um, I was actually still on maternity leave. Uh, whenever I interviewed and ended my maternity leave to be able to start with VetSnap because it was just the perfect fit. Um, I love new companies. I have a strong passion about new companies um, because I feel like when I love something, I put my whole heart and soul into it. Um, somebody at one of the conferences we went to, actually, I was just discussing VetSnap, um, and it's actually a marketing company. And was just educating him about it. And he was like, so you're a, you're a owner, right? You're like a co-founder. I said, no, I'm sales director. And he was like, man, your passion for it is so strong. That really surprises me that you're not uh, one of the founders. So when I see something that's beneficial, I, I get very passionate about it, as you can probably tell with my, my voice. <laughs> So that was kind of my journey. Um, I do have dogs as well. Um, and I love my dogs, but um, I, I will never leave vet med. So. That's fantastic. And you can see the, uh, as you're, as you're describing your story, you can see just the energy and the exuberance uh, rich up. So uh, come up so you can tell serendipity. It, it's funny how it works in life. And it looks like a great combination coming together. Um, as we move into our next parts, then in terms of discussing technology and a problem that uh, Yang, you initially, you know, identified with your co-founder and then forming a company around it and then dealing with the hurdle that is technology in veterinary medicine. I'm going to call it for what it is um, in an area that really needs advancement. How the heck do you start the building blocks of overpass, jump over, add, educate? What does that look like in the world of veterinary medicine as you've come to know it through your product program and, and company over the last two years here? Yeah, um, well, we're, we're fortunate in that um, we're not trying to like reinvent the wheel or do rocket science here, right? Okay. It sure uh, feels like it sometimes though. It, this is and, and it's true. It, it's it's maybe it's like uh, some someone once told me like from the outside and and from the inside, it might look very simple. From the outside in, it actually is very complicated. Um, but no, like uh, we try to keep things simple. So what I mean is like really the same processes that have been in place in our industry with how people do control drug logging and how they reconcile. We're not trying to disrupt that process, right? And going to your point about like technology adoption, it's really hard. And this is a similar problem I was facing when I was heading up technology at MVA, right? Same thing is, how do you get um, hospitals to adopt new technology effectively and not be distracted by maybe something that's really shiny, but doesn't add a lot of value where it's really, really hard to bring into the hospital because you know how much time they have to actually learn new things. For us, it's, we're, we're fortunate. We follow the process. And that's what, earlier I said, we go into the hospital and we just follow their process. What we did was we automated and guided the process where it made sense. And we try to keep it to the same flow. We try to kill friction, but keep the same flow as it has been. That has made it a lot easier for us to train up hospitals, right? So like normally you think about uh, 
say like on the one extreme migrating to a new practice management system, you're talking about months. And then you talk about like data porting, which is also a different problem uh, that we don't have to deal with. Uh, but it takes months because you're learning how to almost like rewrite a bike, but it's not a bike anymore. You're rewriting like a unicycle. For us, um, training takes about three hours uh, to bring a hospital up to speed. And that's just for the admins. And the reason why it's been so fortunate is, again, we don't disrupt their process. We walk them through it. They're like, oh, that's it? They're like, yeah, I mean, it's your process. We just made it a lot faster and we help you catch mistakes. So that's been making our lives a lot easier when it comes to like uh, nudging them along with new new tech. I love that and that verbiage of a nudge. Mike, go ahead. I've got some. Yeah, I want to jump in real quick. You'd mentioned you guys did a time and motion analysis. I'm just curious, like on average, when you analyze the hospital, like how much inefficiency did you see? Whether whether you quantified that by time or like number of steps or you know what jumped out where you're like, wow, this is a problem. Well, this was a very successful hospital. Um, they had, I think, somewhere between 12 and 16 doctors, I think, like full time. I don't know if it's still the case. Um, and uh, they had almost a full, they had two people part time working controlled drug logging and cleaning up the records and whatnot. And it's just like inefficient all around. Because one is, if you think about the logbooks for a large hospital, there's many different locations for logbooks, but you have to reconcile back to one single set, set of records. So time of motion, like for folks, like it's not very scary. Um, and there's probably a more correct way of doing it. What it really means for us is we, we sat down with them and we see where they walk, what they're touching, where do they have to go to get something in order to do something else. It's basically a way to identify friction. And to answer your question, I hope I did. It was quite a bit of time. And we we're just thinking, well, if it's going to take you almost like a full head resource to do it, that feels like, and we knew how much easier it could be if we had the right integrations into the practice management systems. It just felt like a no brainer. And we know that even for a smaller hospital, even if it's not a full head, it's maybe half, half a FTE, full-time equivalent that's doing it. What was also important was the people doing it, like, again, back to like caring about the industry and caring about the people, they really did not like it. Like, well, that's the part that came across, like they hated this because they would sit down in the morning. This was at like 7 a.m. in the morning. This poor woman would come in and, and she, she like print out like pages off of their practice management system, look at their logbook, and she would just sit there. And I was like, are you enjoying this? She's like, no, I, I do not like this. This is this is terrible. You talk about burn burnout, right? You talk about like work-life balance these days. How do you make employees' lives easier? That's it. Like try to take away stuff that's really tedious. And then also like revenue creation, right? Because they have more time to do other things. That's great too. But like, it's just like an all-around win. Yeah. Nice. And sorry, Jonathan, I'm hijacking. Oh, no, sorry. So I, just for you, like for you guys, I'm not currently clinically practicing. So let's pretend you've just jumped in the hospital I used to work at, which was like, I'm handwriting like, you know, 0.05 and I'm hoping it adds up and the tech has to try read my writing. Now that snap is there. What does that look like, you know, for me drawing up the drugs or what on the back end? Yeah, Cecilia, do you want to take that? Sure, sure. So, um, I mean, it, the hope is to make it a lot easier. So with this technology, um, I feel like a lot of people, whenever a doctor would draw it up, um, they would then write it on a post-it note or potentially write it in the book. Who knows where it was going? 
So with the, with VetSnap, what they would be doing is you would be putting it in our software. So you can pull it up as an app on the web, the uh, internet. And then when they're putting in charges or right then, whenever you're drawing the drug up, you would put the client ID in and then it auto-populates the pet's information and the client's information. So then it's just one bit of information or two bits of information instead of having to copy over all of the details every single time. So it's as long as you are um, logging, um, then, and, you know, actually doing that work, you're then putting in the work as well with VetSnap, but it would take half, if not more, you know, or if not less time than what you would be if you were writing it in your logbook. And legible because it's uh, <laughs> computerized. <laughs> That's very important when there's vets like me around. Yes. Well, and also it's everybody is um, labeled and followed through their signatures. So every person has a unique signature and PIN number so that you can follow who it is that's doing what within within VetSnap. So that's also important because you need to know and need to follow who everybody, who is touching what. In the standpoint of moving it from a paper copy, which is the vast majority of us in Canada, I think the numbers probably are 98 or 99% if we're looking at the overall number of clinics in the States. I, I don't have that number. You guys do better than I. Um, on any given year, there are a number of new processes. You're stacking on technology, et cetera. How do you fit into that framework for a, a clinic or clinics that are looking to add in a technology like VetSnap but also dealing with three or three or four other technologies coming in at the same point. How do you integrate and best utilize your time, their efficiencies to the benefit of what this is trying to, to fix? So getting started with VetSnap is very simple to get started. So then we're hopefully taking away one less thing that they have to spend their time doing. Um, technology is hard. Um, change is hard. Um, I know that we were discussing that before. I feel like, um, I mean, I feel like I can say this as a technician, former technician, that change is, is very difficult. Uh, I mean, changing from one doctor to four doctors or changing doctors in general, because you you work with that one doctor, you learn their ways. Just like with a logbook, you learn your ways, you learn how to do it. Um, you know, that. so making that change is probably the number one thing. And since being in sales, I've realized change is the only constant. Um, but I feel like being a former technician, um, it's really a hard thing to accept because, um, you know, don't fix something that's not broken, but then you really dig in and you're like, oh, our system is broken. You know, we we are not um, reconciling. We are not having the correct amounts at the end of the day. Um, it's not matching up. Um, so I think accepting and seeing that it is an issue, um, is the hardest part, um, because then you do have to start accepting change. Um, there are so many technologies out there that are in hopes making life easier. Um, but not everybody likes to, um, grasp those and, and really, um, enjoy them. So it's one of the, it's a, it's a hard subject to get around, but um, getting the hospital to buy in and realize that this is a good change is also um, one of, one of the things that on the sales side that we try to do is to show how big of a difference it'll make and how it's not going to be a bad thing. It's going to be a good thing in the long term. 
So I hear, uh, if I may, and adding to the points you just made, is that it's both an education to uh, determine awareness or first, first recognize awareness within the clinic, and then recognizing that there's a solution there and moving to the next steps. Uh, on your website, I see there's a lot of education that you're providing out to the space around compliance, things in the States that we don't have in Canada and vice versa. Um, tell me a little, and this is really important, I think, from both a company perspective, which I have personal interest in, but then secondly, understanding how you get that individual that says, it's not broken, my wheel works, it might be slow, but I don't need this new. Is, is that part of your mission is to educate, to be able to get over to awareness, to understand that, yeah, we do have something here as a solution for you. And, and how conscious are you in that um, um, action? Yeah, maybe I can take a first step at this. Um, education is very important to us. Uh, one is synergistic to our overall goal, because if you're not aware of there being a problem, you're not going to try to solve it. Um, two is, uh, I mean, there's like different ways to go about it, right? You can kind of hope that someone else in the field is going to educate your customers, um, which we found there isn't a lot of available um, resources for training for continuing education. So we, we, we consciously, very consciously dedicate a lot of our resources to not just marketing our product, but really marketing that there is um, a better way or a more uh, compliant way to do things. And then here's something, some resources, resources you can use to try to become more compliant. If it just so happens that we have, you know, we're like a really good solution for, for that problem, that's great. But we definitely are very mindful about educating uh, folks. Um, Cecilia, anything to add? I mean, to, to add on to what Yang said, um, we I recently did a demo for a customer who has decided to move forward, but she got done with one of our CE events and contacted us the next day and was like, I, I watched it and I learned so much and I'm scared. You know, we, I mean, I hate to put them into that scare tactic area, but um, I mean, they need to be worried about what's going on sometimes um, because a lot of times they don't see it or realize it because as Yang said, it's not addressed very commonly because people don't want to, um, they, everybody wants to tiptoe around that area because it is a very um, sticky area. So um, they, I know you all have, go ahead, sorry. No, I, I just want to jump into that a little bit, you know, and, and not rip the bandaid, but expose it for what it is, is we have some major liabilities, both personal and professional within the use of controlled drugs and veterinary medicine. And it does seem to be something that as an overall people tiptoe around, we, we mark our logs, we, we try and, and it's dangerous, plain and simple. It's dangerous. Yeah. Um, that awareness point and that education point to try and limit both risk and liability is huge. Yeah. It's a, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like, you know that like saying in like investment, like past performance is not an indication of future results. So like a lot of times folks will say, well, it's worked so far. I've, maybe like they've been audited by the state, not the DEA, or they haven't been audited in a long time. And, or they got audited and it just so happens it was easier back then because they chose the agencies were a little bit more lax. Um, if you if you are following the news in the United States, there's just it just seems like the um, topics more and more mentioned veterinarians. 
so to, to me on a personal level, I feel like, well, that's kind of like signaling, right? Like that's like getting like more coordinated effort so that everybody realizes, hey, this is something we're going to potentially focus on more. And we, we also talk with experts in our field and while the DEA on the US side, right, don't have quotas or they won't say, oh, we're gonna focus on this particular thing. They are um, behind the scenes, the, 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 the rumors are they're focusing more on veterinarians and veterinary hospitals because that's just an area that hasn't been focused on as much as like, you know, the McKesson's or the Sacklers or, you know, some of the ones that had the really catchy titles and the news articles in the last decade. That's kind of been done. Now they're kind of looking at another area. Excellent. Um, two years in, almost 700 clinics on board. Is this what you expected two years in, Yang, Cecilia now on board in terms of a problem that really does need solution finding? Yeah, um, yes. And then also like, a, I was like, I think there's something, a provocation, something interesting that we found. So um, when we got into it, uh, you know, we launched January of 2022 officially. We're like, oh man, it'll take a while before we hit a thousand hospitals, knock on wood, but it looks like this year is the year. Um, we weren't sure how fast it was going to be. We did know that this was like, that's why we did it. That's why we pivoted so hard. And we invest a lot of time into doing this is we realized there is just a huge gap here. So in a way, say like, we're very grateful for our progress, but we spent a lot of effort in trying to get here and we're not resting on our laurels and we're constantly trying to again figure out how do we educate that's like the biggest barrier is how do we make people care about this like that's something we're very passionate about I never thought I'd be passionate about like dea controlled drugs but um i'm very passionate about it. i'm like hey and i care about the industry everybody who works in our uh, in our company like most of our i say the by the way the vast majority of our employees are vet techs like almost like 85 percent are like most are currently licensed still. So we all care about the industry. How do we, it's almost like a desperation. How do we be even faster and better? Because like we worry, we worry that the um, knock on the door is going to come more, more frequently. So that's the kind of the other angles. We're really grateful for being as fast as we are. At the same time, we're desperately trying to like ring the bell and let people know, hey, you should care about it. If we even want if to- Even it's on paper, even if it's on paper, it's fine. But like, you just got to do it more than you've done it in the past. You don't have to use us, but be aware, like you said, that there are liabilities and the, the risks are increasing. Agreed. Anything from your end that, on that end, Cecilia, growth and time? So when I started, and I just started in November, um, the amount of growth has been amazing. I, I didn't know really what to expect on how quickly it would grow. Um, I knew it was a definite need. Um, even being out of being a vet tech for the last nine years, um, I knew it's a pro I know it's a problem. Um, I know it's a problem in the U.S. I, I'm sorry, I don't know as much about if it of it being a problem in Canada, but um, I mean, I I lived it. I I did it. Um, the processes that we use. So um, I didn't know how fast it would grow. I knew it was a problem, and it has grown fast. And it has been a great thing. Um, it's awesome to see the company growing as fast as it is. And I only, I mean, already with communications, it's, it's we got a bright future. 
I would agree. And what I've seen also, and we've talked about this integrations with PIM systems, which is so important, having that two-way communication, making it more efficient, making it easier for those that already have those systems in play. Really happy to see that because that I think is going to be one of your major benefits. It, it, when it integrates all in one, makes the life of the clinic that much easier to, to get on board. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I love, again, I'm just personally speaking, I love the place where you're taking it from an education as opposed to just a straight sale because the education and the gap in knowledge will lead to that sale. Eventually I'm speaking as an employer, you, that first piece is awareness. We're all there. We see it in the news, xylazine, ketamine, uh, whether we maintain controlled drug access, we need that for the care of our animals. How do we do it in a legal way that actually protects ourselves as well as the wellness of employees, which we haven't even talked about on this call a lot. We need to ensure that we have that, um, that protection against ourselves as well sometimes. Yeah, we know that's an issue. Yeah, excellent. Mike, anything in there as well before we jump over to the impact round? Yeah, I got to sneak a question in and take us back. Yang, I'm very curious. So it's 2020, you're quitting, you quit your job, COVID lockdown. You don't know that this is going to work yet, right? Like you haven't even discovered VetSnap. You're on just inventory management. I'm so curious, like what's going through like your mind, your thought process there? Because I'm just fascinated by entrepreneurs that take that leap when like there is no definitive path forward. Yeah, um, maybe two different ways to answer that question. One is, um, you know, like this whole concept of the self-made entrepreneur. Uh, And then there's more and more, I think, evidence saying that, no, it's not true. There's a lot of privilege behind entrepreneurship. Uh, So uh, definitely there was a lot of privilege in being in the position that we were in. Um, Having fantastic partnerships that and insights that I had uh, in my years at MBA, heading up technology, it's just a, you can call it a competitive advantage. You can call it privilege, but that was extremely important. And it's like really hard for someone who doesn't have that to come into our space. Our space is, as you know, Dr. Light pointed out, it's very es- es- esoteric. It's kind of like walled in the data and the access to data and understanding how to use this data. And just like, how does a hospital work with this in the front of the office, back of the office, client facing, care facing? It's, it's very convoluted. So there's a lot of privilege. So. I, I was confident we were going to be able to do something because of the privileged knowledge that we had um, working in the industry for the duration that we had. So definitely not just like, you know, like betting it all on some random color just because. So we were confident that something was going to come out of it. And then two is, uh, you know, like uh, we had the ability, we had some good investors, all of our early investors and bought, were involved in this industry. So we had good access to investors to advice and to a hospital. And, and that that was really important. So I, I guess to answer your question, we weren't sure what we were going to do, but we were going to make it. Like we just had to make it. Like there was no alternative to it. Um, and we, we were, I guess we were, it's hard to say this, but I guess we were humble and we, we knew when we were wrong. And even though we had invested a lot of, if you think about a timeline, 2020, we set up the company, we didn't go to market until 2022. There was a lot of time there. We threw away some investment of time and effort and some, uh, some like technology in order to pivot over and just See, being able to make that decision. I think that's so important to like 
highlight, you know, like I think they'll call that even like sunk cost fallacy or loss aversion. Like people will really hold on tight because when you saw that pivot and you're like, wait a minute, we can, we can scrap inventory management. We're going all in on just, you know, controlled drugs to be able to let go of that piece and, and go all in is, you know, that's a, a, an inflection point kind of, you know, so. Yeah, it was, it was hard because we had to tell our investors that like, you know, like very much like we, we care about investors because they're also like our friends, friends, they're like our early investors our angels. So it's a little bit scary explaining to them what it was, but they, fortunately they, they're like, yes, this is a problem. So. Oh, good for you. Great answer. I love that answer. Well, we could continue in on this conversation, but we have a job to do. And that is to turn over to the impact round. So a series of short questions. I'm excited to see what comes through. Our first question, are you a cat or a dog person? This is to Yang to start with. Um, I'm, I'm a dog person. Um, but earlier on, I did tell you I love all animals. I really do. I, my first pet was a turtle. Uh, he lived to be like, I think 12 or something. Um, but no, no dogs, because I don't know, just at the end of the day, it's nice to ha- not be judged too much. And my, my dog doesn't really judge me. I feel like a cat has, you, you, you have to like earn its respect. It's like a, it's like an ongoing dialogue. Like, what are you doing for it? You know, like, therefore, why should it respect you? Yeah. What, a have, dog you just like more what yeah. have you done for me this hour? If you were a cat. But, but cats are also so engaging. It's just I break out when, when, these days. I used to not. And then one day it just like started breaking out when I touch cats. So I can't. They rock. Cecilia? I'm a dog person. I'd rather wrestle a 250-pound dog that is vicious than a 10-pound vicious cat. Um, I think that just goes for my best tech, um, experience. I I. Do not have the patience for a cat. So let me climb on top of that 200 pound dog and, and wrestle him over a bitch cat. <laughs> Many that agree with that comment. Uh, true or false? I knew I wanted to be in the veterinary industry since I was a kid. False. Uh, no idea. I'm so happy. And I had no idea I was going to do this. Just amazing. Awesome. Cecilia? I have always known, um, we had guinea pigs. That was my very first animal. And, um, the veterinarian that I took them to here in Louisville, Kentucky, he was amazing. And, um, I, he was my mentor and he still is my mentor today. I talk to him often still. So, um, I've always loved the veterinary industry. People are very different and I'm very different. And so, uh, we bond well that way. (laughs) How would your friends describe what you do for a living? Uh, they think, uh, some joke that I'm like a drug dealer, <laughs> but I'm like, no, I'm like the anti-drug dealer. I'm trying to, you, you got it wrong. I don't deal drugs. I try to help people not get in trouble with control drugs, but I think they're just joking in, in general. They actually don't know what I do. Neither do my parents. So. So Cecilia, um, mine I don't think that I ever really get into the details. They all say I'm just a veterinary geek um, because I'll never leave the industry. They all know that I am in it for the long run. So what are you, what in the world are you most grateful for? Oh man, that's a tough question. That's a very tough question. Oh man, that's a tough question. I, uh, kindness like being kind at the get-go 
I don't know. Like this is it's so hard that my answer is not normally normally my answer is very clean. This one's tough. Whether it's like pets or the people I've encountered uh, in this industry, they start off with an assumption of good intention. Um, and you can lose that trust very quickly if you come across as a jerk, right? But if you're a kind person and you're understanding and humble, you get a lot of leeway. And I remember when I first started in this uh, industry, I, the only advice I got was like, hey, just don't be a jerk. And you can learn so so much from all the hospitals that interact with. Um, be a jerk and you're going to get shut down very quickly and you're not going to be able to progress very far in your career. And I mean, that really is true. I've seen good examples and good examples of that. And I've seen people not heed that example and crash and burn. And yeah, take advantage of the kindness. It's there. Cecilia. So mine's going to be a little odd, I think. Um, but the whole everything happens for a reason, because um, in my personal life, um, with uh, fertility issues that I had, now I have three beautiful babies. Um, and then professionally, I mean, um, I go in for, you know, I was a technician for so long. And as you all both know, or all of you know, um, as you age, if you're a technician, your body ages 10 years faster. Um, it's hard. It, it beats your body up. Um, so being where I am today um, as sales director at VetSnap, working from home um, is also easy on the family life. Um, you know, I have my sick uh, child upstairs sleeping right now um, while I'm able to do my job. So um, everything happens for a reason. And the way that I have gotten here, the roadmap to get me here has has been amazing. So um, I know I started with that, but I think that's truly everything happens for a reason and it's worked out well for me. Those are amazing answers. <laughs> they were. I liked it. Me too. Well, we are already at that time of coming to a close on this episode, and I feel like we're just digging into it, which was fantastic. And so many other topics that could be um, had in conversation around VetSnap, your future, and what you're already doing in the profession. So thank you very much, uh, Yang, for taking a chance and maintaining that honesty and looking at opportunities to fill um, solutions in a pro in a problem that you guys saw and being, I think, humble enough to pivot when needed, because without a doubt, I see success in your futures for sure. And Cecilia, um, reaching out and then reaching out again to get a hold of me and keep in contact. And then we had the opportunity to meet in Vegas, which was fantastic. Really appreciate you guys coming on um, this morning for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. If people want to reach out, which they're going to want to, and especially in Canada where you're not yet, but want to be in, which is fantastic. How do they get a hold of you and uh, best method of communication out to you? Yep. So the best way um, to start off is going to our website, which is vetsnap.com. And you can um, book a meeting with the sales team. And we'll start from there. Just a discussion, see what you guys are doing currently and um, tell best practices and um, see see where it goes from there. Um, but that, that'd be the best route. Um, we're also on social medias. So uh, you'll catch me responding to everybody on there because I'm a social media person. <laughs> Which one are you the most on? Where, where are you? Face, Facebook is the uh, is my main one. That's the one that I'm addicted to. I'm trying to get used to um, Instagram. Um, I'm a little slow on that social media, but 
We are on Facebook actively and always providing good information on there with CEs and any um, meetings that we have. And then also just valuable information um, from um, some of our connections um, that have helped us out um, with um, consulting and whatnot. So they're also giving us valuable information that we are posting on Facebook as well. Perfect. So for everybody that wants to learn more, get on a Facebook, go check out VetSnap. Uh, as always, we leave the message and the last time for our guests. And the question is, what message do you want to leave for the veterinary community? So, um, <laughs> um, so VetSnap is here to do a to help you all with your digital DEA drug logbooks. Um, DEA Canada Health will also throw that in there. Um, we'd love to help you guys with your um, routine of doing your controlled drugs and make life a lot more simple and make the time save for your um, your work-life balance to be able to make that a little bit easier. So we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to have the conversation to, to discuss more what VetSnap can have for you guys. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes every two weeks. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well-lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others who may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you shared the show with them. This helps us to grow our community and reach more and more veterinary professionals, just like you. Speaking of which, if you would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send us a message via Instagram at The Veterinary Project, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent via direct message to our Instagram, at The Veterinary Project. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again in two weeks for another episode of The Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.